You know, in all of our lives, there are great moments, great experiences, special events that all of us like to remember. We look at pictures to remember those events. We relive the happiness of maybe a wedding day or the happiness of a first birthday party or the memory of that that first haircut or whatever it might be that involves our children. We look at pictures of a family vacation or pictures of the family around the Christmas tree or the pictures of the family gathered around the table at Thanksgiving before the locusts hit the food. And we enjoy looking at those because we take pictures sometimes to, in some way, try to permanently retain the joy of special events in our lives. God gave us a lot of wonderful blessings. But God's, one of God's richest blessings is the gift of memory. And God gave us the gift of memory so that we can go back and we can relive those moments. And yet, as much as there are moments in our lives, like family vacations and family gatherings, maybe family reunions or birthday parties, special events that we want to remember there in all of our lives this morning, past experiences that we would just as soon forget. There are experiences in our past that are unpleasant. Some are mildly disturbing, perhaps. And then there are other things in our lives that can sometimes so frustrate someone's life as to actually lead to physical illness. And that's what I want us to think about for a few minutes this morning, is the unfortunate events of our lives sometimes and the regrets that folks sometimes have over those unfortunate events. I want us to look at the lives of some who lived in the long ago. I want us to examine the mistakes of their lives that made them lead be led to deep regret. And I actually suppose the beginning place would be at the beginning with Adam and Eve. When you start your study of the Bible, the third chapter of Genesis comes rather quickly. And that chapter tells of the rebellion and sin of that original couple in the Garden of Eden. God placed them in a veritable paradise. A place where their every want, their every need was satisfied. God said, you can eat the fruit of any tree in the garden except the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God said, the day you eat thereof, you're going to die. But the fact that they could not eat of that one tree caused so much discontent 
that they disobeyed the commands of the God of heaven. And with Adam and Eve's disobedience there in Genesis chapter 3, they brought into the human experience heartache, sorrow, suffering, toil, sickness, and even death. When they ate that fruit of that tree God had forbidden, they had no way to foresee. They had no way to know the enormity of the consequences of their sin. Had they known the enormity of the consequences of their sin, then surely they would have been able to, dis- to withstand their, di- their temptation to disobey God. Can you imagine what it might have been like for Adam and Eve in later years? Maybe sitting by the fire late in the evening, sipping their coffee, having a piece of pie, talking about it and wondering. One of them saying to the other, you know, I wonder what life had been like if we had not disobeyed God. wonder what it would have been like for our children had we not disobeyed God. Can you imagine the regrets that they would have had over what their children had to endure as a consequence of their disobedience? Or think about the deep regrets of those that lived in the days of Noah. The wickedness that existed then caused the change in the whole direction of the world. I want to read from Genesis chapter 6 and beginning with verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that He had made man on the earth, and it grieved Him at His heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping things and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Can you imagine those folks that lived in Noah's day? As the flood waters began to rise, as the earth began to be covered with water, how they must have regretted the worldliness in their lives. How they must have regretted the fact that they never really bothered to listen to what it was that Noah was trying to say. And then you turn a few pages further in the Genesis story of God's people. And you read the story of Esau. We learn of the rash and thoughtless act of his selling of his birthright. He comes in from hunting and he's hungry and he's overwhelmed with hunger and Jacob's got a big pot of chili is what it was on the stove cooking and overwhelmed with hunger Esau sells his birthright even though he's overwhelmed with hunger There's no 
real excuse for him to have dealt with something so valuable in such a flippant manner. And yet we know that he lived to regret his actions because his regret is reflected in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 17. The Hebrew writer says, For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of forgiveness, though he sought it carefully with tears. And as you turn through the Old Testament and just keep turning the pages and reading the stories, we find so many other examples of regret. You remember that God in the long ago led the Israelites to the very border of the promised land. God had promised that He was going to give them that land. But they sent some spies out to see how best to do this. And ten of those spies came back with a report that said, We can't take this land. We saw giants there. We saw the sons of Anak. We were in their sight as grasshoppers. It's a good land. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's a great land, but, but we can't. We can't take this land. And Israel possessed so little faith that they listened to the report of these ten fearful, cowardly spies. And they turned back from Canaan back into the wilderness. And because of their faithlessness, God decreed that Israel would wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the thought process in some of their minds? As they wandered up and down and back and forth as some of them wondered, well, I wonder what life would have been like if we had listened to Joshua and Caleb. What life would have been like had we gone ahead and listened to, had faith in God and, and tried to, and taken that promised land. They wandered up and down and back and forth in that wilderness for 40 years till everyone above the age of 20 years old had died. And it was only their children that had the privilege of entering the promised land. That 40 years, that 40 years of wandering in the wilderness must have been one long period of regret for Israel. Or then there's another example a few pages further on. And that's the example of David. Israel's greatest king. But he stumbled into sin with Bathsheba. On the pages of the Bible, folks, David has a magnificent record. But that magnificent record and that beautiful life of David is marred by adultery and lying and murder. Here's a man that had the deep spiritual sensitivity to write the majority of the Psalms. A man that Scripture describes even after sin as a man after God's own heart. But David had a lifetime 
to regret some of his poor decisions. The beauty of his youth, the success of his kingdom, the majesty of his writings, none of those things are sufficient to erase the ugliness of David's sin. But then if you turn over to the New Testament, there are those there that have regrets also. And I suppose that right now, the very first one that's coming to your mind would be Judas. Perhaps the deepest of all regrets would have been those in the heart of that faithless apostle. The Scripture describes the last scene of Judas' life this way in Matthew 27. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned, in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed. And he went and he hanged himself. Remorseful. Filled with regret, realizing what he's done, Judas went to church. And the church people of his day said, it's not our problem. Work it out. The tragedy of Judas is that spend, after having spent three years with Jesus, he didn't just go to Jesus and ask Him for forgiveness. Peter's another example of those that have to have lived with deep regret. Luke chapter 22 tells the story of Peter's denial of the Lord. Verses 31 through 34 tell of Peter's almost indignant declaration. He said, Lord, everybody else may run away from you. Everybody else may forsake you. Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison. I'm ready to go with you to death. Matthew even quotes Peter as saying, even if I have to die with you, I'll not deny you. And yet, what do we know about Peter? He didn't just deny the Lord once. He denied Him three times. And then Peter heard the cock crow. And here's something to be said for Peter, to Peter's credit. He spent the rest of his life sacrificially serving the Lord trying to erase in his own mind and in his own memory and in the memory of others the time he denied Jesus. As disappointing as the failure of Peter was, the penitence of Peter and the life that he lived after that ought to be an encouragement to all of us. as we seek to overcome things in our own lives that we must regret. You see, Christians can be lost. Acts chapter 5, we read the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Christians in the early church there in Jerusalem. And they wanted to get 
the praises of men. And so in order to try to get the praise of men, they lied to the Holy Spirit about their offering to the Lord. And the deception forced upon them by their pride, it cost them their lives. And it cost them their salvation. I think probably more than, feel, more than Judas even, to me, one of the most tragic stories anywhere in the New Testament is the story of Felix. He served for several years as the Roman governor of Palestine in the days of the apostles. And there was one day that the apostle Paul stood in front of Governor Felix and preached Jesus to him. I'd love to have a copy of that sermon. I'd love to know exactly what Paul said, every word. Because Dr. Luke tells us that when Paul brought that sermon to a close, Felix trembled. But he didn't do anything about it. He told Paul to go his way and said, I'll call for you when a more convenient time comes around for me. And that was the closest that Governor Felix ever came to the forgiveness of sins in Jesus. He had been touched that day by the teachings of the Apostle. The Scripture says in the King James, he trembled. The American Standard Version says he was terrified. He heard Paul reason on righteousness when he was unrighteous. On temperance when he was intemperate. On judgment to come when he sat in judgment upon others. And being terrified, he then made the most tragic mistake of his life. He put off his decision till another day. And never again did Felix ever come so close to the kingdom of God. I wonder... If he had an opportunity to do it again, if Felix would respond in a different way to the preaching of the Apostle Paul. Or you can turn a few pages over and you can see the disappointing story of Demas. At one time, a man who was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul, like Timothy and many others, he, he was a young preacher, kind of apprentice, if you will studying under the great apostle to the Gentiles. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, we read the tragic ending of Demas. Paul writes, He's forsaken me, having loved this present world. And that's a tragedy of the highest order. One we've seen in our own experience. People that we could name that would fall into that same category. And it's so tragic when you think of what might have been in the life of Demas. The salvation he might have imparted to others. In fact, in many ways, the name Demas is one of the saddest words in our language. You know, you see a lot, and people put a lot of stock in names and and what the people are going to have a boy or a girl, they, 
they think about, well, what am I going to name this child? When was the last time you saw someone have a baby boy and name it Demas? It's a name that's just about as popular as Judas for a baby boy. And then the great tragedy of Demas is that he left the Lord. And how many can all of us think of in our own experience? People that once loved the Lord or said they loved the Lord. Who now at best just nominally serve the Lord. And then there's a congregation in the Bible that has regrets. You find it in the very last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation. It's a very brief but very tragic story of a church in a city by the name of Laodicea. A church of people that had become Christians in the prescribed New Testament way. They believed in the same Jesus that you and I believed in. They had turned their back on sin through repentance. They made known their faith in Christ as the Son of God. And they too had been buried in the waters of baptism. But as the years went by, they left their first love. And they became cold and indifferent to things that were spiritual. Jesus talked about them. Jesus said He knew their works, that they were neither hot nor cold. But He said because they were lukewarm, He would spew them out of His mouth. All of these we've looked at this morning whether it's Adam and Eve or the people of Noah's day, or whether it's Esau or David, or whether it's Governor Felix or Demas or Judas or Peter. They're all people that had deep regrets about the way they lived their lives. All people that would have lived their lives so differently if they'd had an opportunity for overs. And their mistakes are a warning for us. Because you see, in Jesus Christ, we have overs. I never was much of a golfer. But I remember one of my favorite things about golf was a mulligan. which meant that if you made a bad shot, you could call a mulligan and do it again. Our God is the God of the mulligan. When we mess up, when we do wrong, through repentance and prayer and asking for forgiveness, God gives us overs. God gives us another opportunity. Our challenge is to make certain that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Master of our lives. To the point that when we come to the end of the journey and our form has bended low and the pale horse and his rider cross our threshold, that we won't have lived a life of regrets, but we will have lived the kind of life Jesus wants us to live. And we'll hear Him say, Well done, good and faithful servant.
It's his invitation as we stand and while we